I think we're all essentially liars. There was a study done years ago about 93% of people lie regularly, and I think uh, the other 7% lied in the study. <laughs> people say, oh, I'm not lying. I'm like, anybody who tells me they're always honest, they're lying. Welcome to Grayson 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. This is Ed Malik, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sal Dietry. Sal, what do we got cooking tonight? Well, Ed, we're tonight uh, we're talking about the topic of honesty. And let's face it, how many of us have not been honest even in the past 24 hours, probably today with work, sadly with our families, our coworkers, and most importantly, with ourselves? Uh, are we feeling something that is perhaps holding us back from being honest or, or perhaps stuck in a situation at work where you're feeling trapped? from being honest. Well, tonight's guest we has a message for you. We're talking with Stephen Gaffney, a sought-out speaker and author on the subject of honest communication. Stephen engages organizations and individuals to help facilitate honest, difficult discussions that break people free of the fear and create opportunity for growth. Stephen, my friend, welcome to Grace in 30. Thank you for having me. Honesty. Uh, it starts with being honest with ourselves. And as I talked to you beforehand, I thought about that, you know, in my own life. And as I look around at my neighbors, my children, look, we, we all struggle with this no matter uh, how strong we think we are. Why is it so fundamentally difficult to be honest? Well, I think you nailed it. The worst lies we ever tell are the lies we tell ourselves. And that is a big, huge problem. And so why does this happen? And I think because most of us live in an echo chamber. If you think about it, who do you like hanging out with? Who do you like hire, being hired or hiring? Who do, you, who do you like just surrounding yourself by? And it's usually people who are like ourselves. Well, that's the problem. They're like us, so they tend to agree with us. One sign of a healthy relationship is whether people are willing to de debate you. So my first question to the listeners are, how often are you in a debate? Do you have a home life where people are in conflict? And if you're like, oh my gosh, yes. Actually, the good news is you got a healthy relationship. Because as President Johnson said, if nobody's telling the truth, you know, <laughs> you know, if nobody's debating, only one person is being honest. And I would add, only one person is telling the truth because it's common and healthy to be in conflict. So here's the point. The point is we have to surround ourselves by people who are willing to challenge our blind spots. Now, it's interesting. I, I read a statistic that says, you know, 28% of men and 16% uh, of women lie about their accomplishments at work. Is this, again, sort of a sense of of insecurity that is uh, perhaps one of the roots of the problem? Well, that may be, but I think we're all essentially liars. <laughs> <laughs> there was a study done years ago about 93% of people lie re regularly, and I think uh, the other 7% lied in the study. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people say, oh, I'm not lying. I'm like, anybody who tells me they're always honest, they're lying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, here's great. the thing. You, you know, somebody says, well, how are you feeling? And you go, oh, great. And you're really not doing great. And you say, well, that's just a white lie. Well, have you ever had somebody tell you, quote unquote, white lie because they didn't want to hurt your feelings and you wish they had actually told you the truth? So often in life, we're hurt by people not being up front, but we have all these little cute phrases like it's a white lie. I didn't really want to you know, tell somebody the truth or I was trying to. It was, my favorite is, you know, I did something wrong, so I, I, I don't want to burden them with hearing the truth. No, I just don't want to have the difficult conversation and fess up and own up that I made a mistake and I got to do something about it. That's the real truth. 
boy, do I agree about that. And we had this discussion before the show began that uh, you don't even focus on some of these studies where people try to measure how much lying is going on. It's just happening. Everybody's doing it all the time. Absolutely. And here's the thing. The best companies realize we have to constantly work on on creating an open, honest culture. And here's the thing, because it isn't natural. What I mean by that is we all want to tell the truth. I mean, you know, most people say, I really want to be honest. And then, of course, some people say they're honest. But but the truth is, it's really difficult. For example, have you ever had somebody say to you, listen, I want you to be honest with me and give me feedback on this project or on this situation and you give them honest feedback and they flip out yeah I, I, well the funny thing is that they ask that question is almost saying you're normally not honest with me <laughs> you, you mentioned i may go off script here a little bit but uh businesses that the best businesses are honest that's really the focus of your business right helping businesses to embrace honesty and then and flourish as a result correct absolutely this is why i work with some of the best companies in the world and from the number one defense contractor to the number one gold producer in the world to the number one cancer uh, doctor association in the world um the list goes on the number one hotel chain is a client of mine so the reason why is because they realize we have to work at this and create a culture and here's what needs to happen leaders need to send a situation which makes people feel safe because we haven't covered this yet but let's get this out the number one reason why people withhold is they just don't feel emotionally safe and that's sometimes because of reactions from their leaders or co-workers but it's also sometimes because of our history that maybe we've had bad experiences in previous jobs where we were very upfront so we have to create that safety but here's the good news it takes more psychological energy to keep something inside than to let it out so if you've ever had that experience where you can feel safe to to share what's really on your mind, you feel so much Uh better. So here's my message to people who who have people in their lives who aren't really that forthcoming. They want to tell you the truth as long as you make them feel safe. So here's what I say to leaders. Your number one job is not about vision. It is not about doing anything else. Your number one job is make people feel safe because if you do so, they'll share not only the difficult messages, but they'll also share their innovative ideas. That's what's most important needs to get done in the workplace. And you've talked about and written about these uh, sort of four levels of getting the unsaid said. And you see people go through stages and you can see these clues in sort of their hunkered down behaviors. And you've talked about, you know, sort of the lowest state is what you call the shutdown mode. And then, you know, reactive honesty, which is still a passive aggressive type of honesty. Take us through some of that. And, and uh, you know, if you're an outsider and you're dealing with someone who's struggling with this, how do you how do you read the signs and how do you help them in that respect? Well, first of all, I'm so glad you brought this up because this is one big differentiator that we bring into the workplace. The number one problem, so if you forget everything else out of what we've talked about, just remember this. The number one problem is what people don't say to each other. It's not tone. It's not body language. Yes, all those things are important. Attitude, of course. But the number one problem is just what people don't say to each other. Let me give you an easy example, and then we can talk about these four levels of getting the honest, uh, getting the unsaid said. I had a lady in a course of mine. She goes, well, you know, that's not true about um, speaking your mind, and that's not the real problem. She said, because I told my coworker that I didn't think he was doing a good job on this particular project. I said, okay, so why did you tell him that? And she said, well, because I care about him, and I care about about our mission and I care about what we're all up to. I said, well, did you say all of that? She said, no, I did not. I said, let me come back to my number one 
um, area to look at. It is not what you're saying. It's what you don't say. Even when people say, well, I said this and it hurt the person's feelings. If you also say, listen, I care about you. And if it's a home life issue, you can say, look, I love you. And I, I, I sometimes I feel like I walk on eggshells, but I don't want to. It's not what we're saying that's tripping us up. It's what we forget or choose not to say. So getting the unsaid said is critical to moving forward in any relationship at work and at home. What you're addressing and bringing up is an article I wrote, and I'll send it to any any listener that wants it, on the four levels of getting the unsaid said. So it's now what, it's not what we say, it's what we don't say, and there are four levels to consider. And the first level you brought up is shutdown. That's where people, incidentally, one other thing, everybody's communicating. The question is, what are they communicating? Even when they're not saying something, they're communicating. Silence does communicate. But of course, what does that really mean? So shutdown level is where people just don't say much. They go to work and say, oh, I'm just going to do my job. They say they want this, but I'm just going in and leaving and I just got to do my job. People ask for feedback. I go, nope, everything's great. I get an employee you know, uh, surveys. I go, yep, things are good. I just don't go there. And I just do the job. That's a shutdown level. The next level up is reactive honesty. And here's what's interesting, Ed and Sal, that, that people actually mostly live in this world and they fool themselves to believe that people are being honest. And this, But it's really reactive honesty. They're the kind of person that tells us the truth, but it requires us to ask them the right question. If we don't ask them the right question, they later say, look, you never asked me. So it sounds like they're being upfront because if we ask them, they will be. But if we don't ask them, they don't, they aren't upfront. And that's where most organizations lie between reactive and shutdown level. The next Next level up, which is critical in your home and work life, is proactive honesty. That's where people share without being prompt. They feel safe to do so, that they actually share their ideas and they share their issues. But the highest level, the gold standard, the one that I work with companies on is foreshadowing honesty. That's where you feel so safe, so good with the other person. You're not even you're not only willing to share what's presently going on about issues and ideas, but you're willing to say, you know. Ed, Sal, I, I have an idea or I have an issue that I want to bring up that it's not an issue right now, but I can see it going down the road. I feel so safe that I bring up my issues and ideas, and that's the workplace that I help companies generate. Now, now I have to believe that to do that, you have to build relationship. That's Absolutely. Key, right? So, so can you give us an example where you went into a dysfunctional company or one that was struggling in some sense? And you help people build deeper relationships and and express this foreshadowing honesty. Yeah, and this is great because, you know, Ed, you and I have been in startups and big companies, and you see this sort of behavior that is, uh, you know, prevalent all the time. And, you know, we've done the Myers-Briggs assessment where you get to know people and how do they sort of, are they a sensor, are they a feeler? What tools are you using and how are you engaging uh, folks and companies? Well, there's a lot of things. So I can give you the story, but just to and directly answer. you can sanitize. Answer. You don't have to name the company. <laughs> That's right. Well, first let me address the tools that I bring them is years ago, the breakthrough for my business was I developed a nine-step formula that works with anybody, no matter what their personality is, no matter where they grew up in this world, no matter where they're from, no matter what their age is. The nine-step formula on how to have an honest conversation such that it gets resolved. 
And there's nine specific steps. We can go through that. But that was the formula that's a breakthrough. And the reason why it was such a breakthrough for these companies that I was doing work with is because it didn't require to do Myers-Briggs or any of these other assessments. Anybody could use it. In fact, most of my audiences are are engineers, scientists, and technical folks, people who don't traditionally like that touchy-feely stuff. And it's not touchy-feely. It's about a nine-step formula. So that's the main tool of which then I've developed much many other tools, um, which I can get into. And I can give you an example of what we were just talking about earlier, too, if you want. Well, take one of them. If it's the nine steps, you want to take a few minutes. Take us through, you know, the uh, abbreviated version of that. Tell us some of the key things that happened during those nine steps. Well, years ago, I, I, I came up with, I said, like, why do some people get issues resolved and others don't? There are nine distinctive steps. The first one is deep listening. If you don't really hear what the other issue is or what's going on with the other person, you can't solve it. You can't solve a problem that nobody tells you, and you can't use an idea that nobody tells you. So first is deep listening. Second is ownership attitude. That's the kind of person, and that's the perspective of when you go into a problem, you don't blame, you take ownership. And we could talk in detail about any one of these, but I am giving you the real brief version. The next step is now you're beginning the conversation, right? You've heard what they've had to say. You have the right attitude, the mindset. Now you're ready to use the rest of the steps, the seven steps, to actually getting the issue resolved. The first step is you got to get to the point of what the goal is. Begin with the goal, not the problem. Have you ever had somebody say to you, you know, uh, let's say, uh, Ed, you know, have you ever said, look, I want to talk to you about all the issues we're having? Nobody goes, wow, I can't wait to have that conversation. Because that's not really the purpose of the conversation. The purpose of the conversation is I want to talk to you about how we could work better together, improve our working relationship, um, move forward on this project, whatever it is. So begin with the goal, the purpose. Second is share the concerns. Share all the reasons why we're hesitant. The irony is the more you share your worries and concerns, the less likely they are to happen. So here's an example. You ever have somebody in your life who's defensive? You just say, listen, I I, I want to talk to you about how we could work better together. And I'm concerned you're going to get defensive. I'm concerned you're going to get upset. The person has only two choices. The first choice, which is most probably what's going to happen, is they're going to say, no, I'm not going to get defensive. Because human beings love, they just love to prove people wrong. No, I'm not going to get defensive. In which you're now doing great, because now they're not going to get defensive. Or they'll say, what do you mean I'm going to get defensive? And then you say, that's exactly what I mean. I don't know how to talk to you without you getting upset. I'm not blaming you. But airing out those concerns, and we can talk more in depth, it's critical. Then when you get to the, um, then what you want to do is get to the notice, the facts of the situation. Ground yourself in the facts. That's the notice and imagine distinction I became well known for. And then the next step is making requests. So what's your point? Have you ever had somebody say to you, like, I'm just telling you how I feel and I have these issues. And then you say, okay, well, how can I help you? What, what do you want? People go, well, I don't know. You're like, wow, I just love working with that person. You have to come to the table and make requests. So after the request, you want to come up with benefits. What's in it for the other person? Interesting enough, a lot of formulas out there that are being taught in the workplace about how to have these crucial, critical conversations, difficult conversations, they forget some of these steps. And one of the steps is they don't ground the conversation in the facts. But the other thing they don't do is come at it from what's in it for the other person. There's six drivers of human behavior. And going through those drivers is what you essentially want to do is share what's in it for the other person to change. And then after that, you have follow-up. You want to make sure there's a next step to make sure the conversation sticks. If you've ever had a difficult, challenging conversation and the person reverts back to the way they were before, even after you had a great conversation, it's missing the follow-up stage. And then always, 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 always end with it an appreciation. 
just send with an appreciation. You know, years ago we were taught this um, the sandwich method, <laughs> where you begin with an appreciation, you say what you really want to say, and then you end with an appreciation. But that's just garbage, and it's mm. just manipulative. And but you can end a difficult conversation with an appreciation, as simple as, "Listen, I, I really appreciate that we worked this out. It means a lot to me, and I'm excited to work and move forward." Even you know, even if you don't get it resolved, you could even say, "Listen, we took the very first step in airing things out. I really appreciate it." The pr- thing is this. People don't always remember how you begin a conversation, but they will never forget how you left them in a conversation. Yeah, and, and take us, you know, some thoughts. Uh, there, obviously, there's conflicts at work, ways to deal with people. But, you know, it often amazes me how uh, folks will leave a company and, you know, will say, oh, I, I went somewhere for more money and, and yet never asked for a raise. Or they'll say, oh, you know, this is someone we were thinking about, always kind of concerned about, but never really took any steps to retain employees. How do some of these conversations um, work when, you know, maybe there isn't a conflict, but you're just trying to, you know, have a better relationship with an employee? You talked about getting to know each other and having a sense of trust. Uh, talk us, tell us a little bit about how you work with companies to in, uh, engage managers and others to, you know, build that relationship uh, with their staff. Well, first of all, what you're bringing up is really important because, you know, um, with unemployment being virtually zero, you know, it's not really zero, but I mean, essentially, most people who want to get a job can get a job. What I think is going to happen, and people are not even beginning to be prepared for this, is how people are stealing talent. Because as the economy continues to grow, we need people, and you got to take them from somewhere. So I think companies and the companies that I work with, are they want to make sure they do what I call staff protection. Staff protection is you figure out who your best performers are, and you develop a plan to keep them. And here's the key about that. It can't just be about engagement. Engaging your employees is old school. It's not good enough. You want to develop what we were talking about, that proactive workforce, that foreshadowing honesty, that type of connection where it's not just us talking, but we're engaging and we're being proactive and bringing up things that maybe people didn't even want to or even think about to discuss. So engagement is critical and it's, and it's absolutely important because when you really look at the bottom line of companies, it takes anywhere between 50% to one to two times somebody's salary to replace them. When you factor in getting other people up to speed, a recruitment cost, all the downtime, lost uh, company knowledge, all of that, it's a staggering statistic. So, I, you know, I laugh when these companies, some of these companies say, well, we, we scrutinize every dollar. Well, you know, if you just say, well, you know, we lost $10,000 and we need to scrutinize things, well, you know what? You lose an employee who just makes 50000 you just lost way more than that just with that employee going out the door. Look, I want to switch topics a little bit, Ed, jump in here. I want to talk about honesty in the family. Because, uh, you know, you can develop these great skills at home, you come home, you close the door, and it's, it's a different ball game. And yet, you know, a lot of these skills do transfer into honest conversations with our spouses, with our children, with our, with our neighbors. Uh, talk to us about how some of this uh, translates into uh, family life. Well, sure. In fact, this brings up my latest work, which is what now I'm doing is a lot of these reboots in the workplace. I'll tie it into the family in a moment. But basically, um, you look at teamwork and most teams in the workplace are really committees. A team wins or gets challenged together. A committee wins or loses separately. So most teams in the workplace are really committees. And one of the ways you can tell you're in a committee rather than a team, and then I'll tie this back in at home, is a team has no daily. Light. 
So think about it this way. When you're so in sync with somebody, there's no daylight between you. Now, there may be a lot of conflict internally, but from the outside looking in, there should be no daylight. So let's close the door and have the knockdown drag out arguments. But when we walk out of here, we should appear as one. Well, I started to develop these reboot strategies about how to get teams to do this. And I developed a formula. I'm a formula guy. And you give me a problem, like the nine step, you know, how to resolve an issue. I figured out nine steps. Well, I figured out how to reboot any team and make them into a true team. Well, you know what's interesting is people started to use this at home in fixing all kinds of relationships. They've saved their marriages. They've saved, you know, their kids, all kinds of things. Because when you look at it, even at home, that's a team. You know, a team can just be two people. So I developed 10 ground rules of a high-performing team, and that's what I teach in the workplace. And when people learn that and apply it, they actually not only apply it at work, but they apply it at home. And here's what I'm so excited about. We can actually resolve almost any issue there is out there by un- by knowing these ground rules. So when I started to uncover these things and studying teams, you know, I do work with the military, I do work with all these industries from the defense to the hospitality industry to the gold mining industry, I developed, I realized that there's certain consistency with these ground rules. So it's it's so exciting for me because that's going to be the topic of my latest book, which is all about the work we're doing in the workplace around rebooting. I have to ask, because I've, I've read the book Firms of Endearment. Have you read that by Rasha Sodia? I have not. Yeah, and it talks about companies that are, you know really focus on benefiting all stakeholders of the business and how they outperform, I mean, dramatically outperform. You mentioned that companies that are honest are, are better companies, are better performing companies. Do you have some statistics or some information to back that up? Well, first of all, there's a, a, there's a statistic I learned years ago from Dr. Will Schutz, who did a lot of work about honesty in the workplace. And he found out that 80% of workplace problems are due to lack of open, honest communication. Again, it isn't the outright lying. It's actually what people are not saying to each other. So it's about the honesty and openness. And so I challenge people, think about this. If 80% of workplace problems are due to lack of open, honest communication, that means eight out of every 10 problems can be solved by having an open, honest conversation, which is a staggering statistic when you think about it. So I think that's what we really need to look at, and that's what needs to get done. Well, is the process different for different people? I, I think I know the answer to that. But, you know, someone will say, hey, look, I'm going to make a change. It's like anything in our lives. We're going to lose weight. We're going to we're going to resolve a family issue. We're going to be more honest with ourselves. And yet we keep falling back into these same habits. Is, is there, you know, how do you break that cycle initially? Is it sort of a shock type therapy or it's something where you just sort of, you know, try and keep a commitment? How, how do you get someone on the road to having those conversations. You bring up a great uh, point and it's so exciting to talk about. Another thing I uncovered, when I looked at why do some people change and they don't, there are three things that need to happen. Whether you're changing a company, you're changing a person, or you're changing yourself. A mindset change, a skill set change, and a sustainment change. A mindset change is an attitude and perspective. Let me give you an example. I was brought in to work with a leadership team and that my client said, look, we just want our team to work better. So we always do these interviews ahead of time and we have a way of getting people to tell us the truth because of out of our intellectual property that we use. So we get people to find out, we find out the real issue. And I went to him, I said, you got a bigger problem. He said, what? I said, they don't even feel like they should be a team. In other words, they want you to leave them alone. In other words, let me do my job. So you're trying to team build and they don't even think they should be a team. That's a mindset issue because the attitude is different. Skill set is actually what to do. And when you look at 
like losing weight and a lot of these things out there, the skill set and what to do is often out there. And that's not so much of a mystery. And there are better formulas than others. Like that's where I discovered that whole rebooting formula. But the third step is almost always missing. And that's a sustainment, how to make things stick. And here's why. We can all change things. But when we get stressed, we tend to revert back to the old way because it's comfortable, familiar. And that's what we our knee-jerk response. So how are we going to sustain the change? So look at weight loss for a moment. We're really good at you know how to do the diet. But does somebody change? change their attitude and perspective? And and then do they have a sustainment plan? So often people can lose, do you know 95% of people who lose weight gain it back? Because they don't think about this third step, but companies need to think about sustainment and that's critical. You're looking at somebody who gained back 20 pounds after losing it, so <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you, I, audience. Uh, look, I wanna switch to a whole different topic here uh, just for a minute and talk about uh, this whole impact of social media on Real honest conversations. I am struggling to find that anymore in social media. Is it even a mechanism for having honest conversations? Well, first of all, what do they call Facebook? Fake book. You know, people post, oh, this is my life. And they want to make it seem like they're having a great life. And they may be, but that's not their entire life. That's right. So people come away and you look at that. Wow, this person's doing all these other things. And look at their life compared to my life. Um, so it can bring people down. And the other thing about it is I've also noticed that people who they rant and rave on social media, which it can be fun if you think about it on a very basic level, but it can be very hurtful and be very disruptive and people aren't telling the truth. So for example, when somebody writes, um, you know, I'm, I'm mad and how dare them do X, Y, and Z. Well, I don't know if you knew this, but there's two main causes of anger, hurt and fear. Anger is a secondary emotion, which means that whenever somebody's angry, there's two main causes that are going on. Either they're hurt, their feelings are hurt, or they're afraid that things aren't going to change. So you see this in the workplace a lot, where somebody, uh, they, uh, you know, they get, you know, let's say a boss or manager gets mad at somebody, but really what's going on is they're afraid. And so coming back to social media, the reason why this is so hard is because the research shows that 90% of, um, of how we receive messages are due to things other than the words. So all we have are the words and we imagine the rest. Look, I want to give you a chance to give a call to action uh, to listeners. Uh, how can folks uh, get in touch with you? You and I were talking about uh, one of your books, Just Be Honest. Absolutely. T tell us a bit about how folks can get in touch with you. So Four, here's the thing. 40 our, seconds. Okay. Our website is justbehonest.com. That's justbehonest.com. So if they email us and they can go to our website and email us, they can figure out a way to do that. It's obvious. And they say that they've listened to your show and how, and and they've used what we've talked about. I'll send them the ebook version of my very first book, Just Be Honest, for free. So I'll send them the book, the ebook version, just if they tell us that they listened to the show and how they used it and that's justbehonest.com great look uh steven thank you so much for joining us uh it's an incredibly important conversation it's one people have and should have with themselves their work uh their families all the time uh for listeners who want to find out more about stephen gaffney visit his website at justbehonest.com or stephen gaffney that's G-A-F-F-N-E-Y.com. Recording of this show will be found on WERA's website about 24 hours after the show. And you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes at Grace in 30. You've been listening to Grace in 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Have a great night and be sure to tune in to Grace.